Hello, Hillcrest Church. Wow, what a blessing it is to have this opportunity to share with you. Woohoo! And uh, we just wanted to thank you for this opportunity to bring this message to you today. We feel very honored uh, to be invited to be a part of this important week for all of you and to uh, launch you on your way. So we have such fond memories as we think about uh, the church family there from our time at Kettleston Camp in 2019. We got to meet many of you. Some of you we didn't get to meet, but uh, we're just excited to have this opportunity to share. We specifically wanted to thank Pastor Steve uh, for inviting us and also Pastor Dave Wicks uh, to have this opportunity to share. As you guys kick off this week of prayer, we're going to be sharing this message on the power of prayer. Amen. Amen. Prayer is something that is very, very near and dear to our hearts and something that as we have prioritized has literally changed our lives, our marriage, our family, and our spheres of influence for the glory of God. When we realize and grasp that our amazing Heavenly Father, the creator and sustainer of the universe, desires to communicate and partner with us to bring his kingdom to earth, how could we not want to lean in and align with his design and desire? It is such an honor and joy to communicate with God. And that is the heart and foundation of prayer. It's friendship. God desires an intimate friendship and relationship with us. Uh, wow. <laughs> a two-way friendship is the foundation for a productive prayer life. You know, sadly, some see God as a celestial concierge in the sky who they only read off their wish lists and to-do lists to. And while, yes, of course, God wants us to cast our cares and burdens and dreams and desires to him, but a one-sided conversation is not his desire. How many have had friends who call you and it's one and it's a one-way non-stop their problem, their needs. It's all about them. And you hang up and realize, wow, they never asked about me or wow, I didn't get to share my problems or needs with them as it was all about them the entire time. Well, that's not how our prayer life, you know, should be or become. Only seeing God as a celestial concierge or vending machine for us to tap solely for our own gain. Just as David cried out in Psalm 27, 8, our posture and priority should be to seek his beautiful face and not just his generous hand. What makes a good friend? Someone who listens, prioritizes the friendship. Someone who cares and makes time to communicate and hear how you are and asks what's on your heart and they listen and find ways to help you. In the same way, God desires intimate friendship with us so that we can press in and get to know him in his heart so we can represent him effectively in the earth. You know, we like to describe prayer as a radio. Woo! Do y'all remember these? <laughs> okay, so God designed us to hear his voice. God is like a radio tower. He is always transmitting 24-7. We are like the radio. We receive the transmission. Remember tuning the dial on your old car? You had to fine tune the dial to find your favorite station. And when you found it, you did not move. You protected the dial to not lose the signal. In the same way, prayer is building a muscle. You need to cultivate and guard your times of prayer as God is speaking. It's a matter of eliminating the static or interference trying to jam your signal. 
guard and protect the connection. Now, I realize a radio tower and a radio are very antiquated examples. So a more modern analogy would be how a lot of cars now have built-in GPS. Just yesterday, Benji and I had to find a building in the heart of downtown San Francisco. If you have ever driven in downtown San Francisco, you know it is a big jungle. We knew the address we needed to get to, but we had no idea how to get there. How foolish would we have been if we cut the GPS feed that was giving us the turn-by-turn instructions and guiding us to our location? That would have been very unwise and foolish. We would have totally gotten lost and wasted a lot of time and gas going nowhere, and we would have missed our very important appointment. Thankfully, the GPS got us to where we needed to go because we valued the input. We listened closely. We turned off the radio and we lowered our voices so we could hear the GPS instructions. In the same way, God declares in Psalm 119.05 that he will illuminate our paths and direct us which way to go, what to do, and even what to pray But we need to do our part, which is to cultivate the relationship with the Lord and tune our ear to listen and obey. Prayer is our avenue to a deeper friendship with God and how we can partner with Him to see His light and love dispensed, His salvation, signs and wonders manifest. And that is truly amazing And it is just so much fun. So we are really, really excited that we get to touch on the power of prayer today. So let's take a look at the passage that we're going to walk through in our time here today. And it's found in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. We're actually going to go through all the way verse 13. But for now, we're just going to read Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place... After he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Now we're hitting into verse 5. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And verse 9, Jesus says this, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. So growing up in central and southern Alberta, 
And we used to make the regular seven or eight hour drives to visit grandparents in Melfort, Saskatchewan. Yes, I'm sure some of you are familiar with that lovely community. And I know that for some of you in the audience here today, it might be a little bit hard to comprehend, but back in the day, this was when we would do these road trips, digital technology had not infiltrated every form of ground transportation yet. No, 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 no. That's right, there were no satellite radios, there were no DVD players, and definitely no iPads. They just didn't exist. So to pass the time, we would all play some road trip games. And I'm sure some of you have played a lot of different road, road trip games as well and are probably familiar with the one I'm gonna mention in a moment. But some of our favorite road trip games were these riveting games back in the day. Counting horses, yes, counting horses looking for license plates from other provinces or states. But by far my personal favorite game of all time, something that I'm sure many of you have played times before is a game called I Spy With My Little Eye. Have you ever played that game before? It's the best, it is awesome. And it was my favorite game. Now a quick little side note, years later when I met my wife Jessica, who was born in Argentina, I discovered they play this game in Argentina. It's the best, it's global people, it is awesome. So on one of our trips we were playing I Spy With My Little Eye and my, it was my dad's turn to go and he had us completely stumped. Man, we could not figure out what it was that he had found. It was a summer road trip and we were heading to see grandpa and grandma. And so we were guessing and guessing and guessing and just couldn't come up with the answer. So about 30 minutes had passed, or depending on how fast my dad was driving, that's roughly 19 farms, 32 silos, and 12 horses, okay? That's how long we had been playing. It felt like forever. But after 30 minutes or so, he asked us a very important question. He said, guys, do you give up? And I gotta say, and my brother can confirm this, my older brother, Sheldon, can confirm this, he gave up. He gave up. Which, being the younger brother, and being of sound mind, I said, I absolutely will not give up. I'm going to persevere. So I blurted that out, and my dad said, fine, keep going, Benji, persevere. Let's see if you can get it. And eventually, I finally got the answer. I solved the riddle that my dad had puzzled us with. And it, it was at the end of that game, my dad highlighted that. He said, way to go, Benji. You persevered. You didn't give up. And then I kind of gave a little bit of a knowing look to my older brother uh, that I had won and had not given up. So it's a little bit of a silly story, but I gotta tell you that those words that my dad spoke that day, they still echo in my heart and in my life. Benji, you didn't give up, you persevered. You persevered, you didn't give up. And the message that we're sharing today, it's really focused on that main idea. And in the context of prayer, like in this passage we read in Luke chapter 11, don't give up, but persevere. Don't give up persevere. Now this passage of scripture from Luke 11, 
1 through 13, you can really break it down into three parts. And the first part is Jesus's instruction on prayer. It's awesome that now the disciples have come to him and they have said, Lord, will you teach us to pray? They've humbled themselves and they come to Jesus. And Jesus says, absolutely, let me show you and let me give you a model of how you can pray yourselves. And we see this passage that we know as the Lord's Prayer here in Luke 11, but there's also a little longer version uh, found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. That's the parallel passage for this one in Luke 11. Same instruction. Jesus is teaching his disciples, here's how to pray. Here's a pattern that you can follow. And like I said, we know this as the Lord's Prayer. Now, this is a fantastic place for you to begin. Thinking about prayer and kicking off this week of prayer, and maybe some of you are saying, I just don't know where to start. Let me encourage you, start here in Luke chapter 11 or in Matthew chapter 6, praying the Lord's Prayer. You can pray this every day because it's totally comprehensive and it is awesome. I encourage you to do that. Then the next part of this passage is this story that Jesus tells or this little parable, this little parable. And that's what we want to really key in on. That's going to be the main emphasis of what we share here today. And then the third part, we'll cover this towards the end of our time, is the passage, is the understanding that everything in this passage is wrapped up in the uh, context of God's heart for us, his heart for his children and how much he loves us. He's a loving father and he loves to give good gifts and he gives generously. So Jesus begins to teach about prayer by sharing the pattern of prayer that we know as the Lord's Prayer. And then he reinforces this key principle by sharing a story about a friend who goes to another friend's house at midnight to get something that he doesn't have. He needs bread. He needs food to put before his guests. And he has nothing. So he goes to a friend of his to ask for help. And let's go back to verse 5 for a moment. It says, then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut. My children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, Yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So here we see in the story, Jesus teaches the pattern of prayer, and then he brings this principle to the forefront, and he's emphasizing for his disciples, you've got to persevere. Don't give up. You've got to persist in your asking. And the passage goes on, and we'll see that as we get towards the end, the third part, uh, of how all of this is in the context of how much he loves us. So we see right here as well, uh, right after he goes into the story, that there are two parts to this process. And again, this reinforces this whole idea of relationship. Prayer is based on relationship with God. And it's two ways. It's both ways. It's not just us making requests to God. It is conversation and communication on the basis of relationship with him. It's a two-way street, as Jessica had mentioned. 
You know, we see that actually just to highlight one quick point in the Lord's Prayer, the very first thing that is said, the very first thing that Jesus says to his disciples in his instruction is this, our Father. There it is, relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's all about relationship. And by calling him Father, it's the recognition of of us being family. We are family with God. There is closeness and there is intimacy that we have to cultivate. So then we see right after the story uh, of the friend at midnight, he says to ask and it will be given to seek and you will find and to knock and the door will be open. So there we see three things. We see our part and we see God's part. Our part is these three things. We are to ask, we are to seek, and we are to knock. That's our part of the process. That's our responsibility. God's part, remember this is conversation, this is relationship. God's part is to give, God's part is to reveal, and God's part is to open. So we have God's part of the process, and we have our part. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the greatest things in the whole world, I believe, is the smell of freshly baked bread. Can it get any better than that? For me, it really can. And you can ask my wife, she will verify. I love the smell and the taste of freshly baked bread. And honestly, when I first think about fresh baked bread, I think about walking past the bakery on my way to school. um, And I also think about those road trips again to Saskatchewan to visit my grandparents. And my grandma had impeccable timing. It was literally like she knew when we would be driving up and pulling in uh, to their house because we'd walk through the door, we'd be greeted with a, a big hug and the smell, the incredible wafting smell of fresh baked bread coming out of the oven. Oh my goodness. Maybe some of you are getting hungry even as I'm talking about it. Don't worry, lunch is coming. But it is just, it's like, for me, it's like the smell of heaven. I believe there will be fresh baked bread in heaven. It's gonna be awesome. There's one additional part in this principle though that we didn't talk about. And in this story of the friend at midnight, the, the host who has this friend coming, he doesn't have food to give him. So he perseveres and he persists and he basically bothers the neighbor until he gets what he needs. And as we read, the text doesn't say he answers the door on the basis of their friendship. He answers the door. They were still friends. It didn't invalidate the friendship, but he answered the door because of persistence. And I like to think of this scenario that it went something like this. And you have probably experienced this before. You've got everybody ready. You've got the kids all tucked in. It's time for you to get to bed for the night. You get under your nice warm blankets. You're ready to, to zonk off into sleep and just enjoy a nice, nice sleep. And all of a sudden you hear one of the worst noises in the world. Knock, knock, knock. Uh-oh, uh, problem. And your first thought is, who is this? Who is knocking so late? Don't bother me. Interesting. That's what the story that Jesus tells. That's the first thing that the guy on the inside of the house says. Don't bother me. What are you doing? It's late. Then he hears the knock again. He goes, okay, he's not afraid to bother. I'm going to let him know something else. I'm going to give him an update. Uh, the door's already shut. That'll tell him. That'll, that'll convince him to go. Don't bother me. The door's already shut. For sure he's going to give up now. Oh, my goodness. 
He's not getting the message. I know what I'll do. I know what I'm going to say. I'll let him know the kids are in bed. Let's get the kids involved here. For sure, if we, if we let them know the kids are asleep, he will finally leave. Uh, sorry, but my kids and I, we're already in bed. There's no way he's willing to wake up the kids. Hey, he wouldn't do that to the kids. Uh-oh. Listen, I don't think you're getting the message. I can't get up and give you anything. And then silence. Wait, could it be? I think he's gone. This is awesome. We're going to be able to just enjoy this nice, quiet night and just enjoy sleep. Ah. Uh-oh. Knock, knock, knock. So finally we see he gets up and he gives him what he needs. He, he leaves the comfort of, of being ready to go to sleep. And he says, this guy is persistent. He didn't leave when I said I can't come to the door. He didn't leave when I got the kids involved. He didn't leave when I did all, uh, when I was making those excuses. He still persisted. And yes, he persisted and persisted until he got what he needed. Now, here's a key question for all of us. Who was the bread for? Who was the bread for? It wasn't for himself. It was for his guest. This guy was persevering on behalf of someone else. And folks at Hillcrest Church, this is powerful and this is important. He wasn't persisting. He wasn't asking and seeking and knocking for his own benefit. It was for the benefit of someone else. Now, I'm sure he benefited in the process from some nice, fresh baked bread. However, what God wants to release to all of us today is his heart, more of his heart for our friends, for our families, for our neighbors, for our coworkers, that we will persist in prayer, that we will ask and we will seek and we will knock, not only for ourselves, but on behalf of others. Yes, the Holy Spirit wants to give us more of his heart today. I want to share one more quick story here about the importance of persevering and not giving up. <clears throat> you know, there was a pastor that was remodeling a church and he needed to bring down this brick wall. So he hired a company with a sledgehammer. So the pastor thought, well, this is interesting. Let's see what he does. So they uh, got the, work, the project going. He picked up his sledgehammer and he swung and he hit the wall as hard as he could. Boom. Nothing happened. He did that again and kept repeating and repeating five times. Nothing happened. The pastor started to record how many swings and how many hits he was doing against this wall to try to bring it down. The worker just kept at it, picked up the sledgehammer, swung, hit, boom, 10 times, nothing, 15 times, boom, nothing. Picks up the hammer, boom, nothing happens, 25 times, 30 times, nothing, 35 hits against this wall and nothing had happened. 36 hits, boom, smashes against the wall, still nothing. However, on the 37th blow, he picks up the hammer, swings it and hits the wall. Boom, on the 37th hit, a tiny, tiny crack at the top of the wall begins to form. Picks up the sledgehammer, swings, boom, hits the wall. On the 38th hit, that tiny little crack cracked all the way to the bottom. And on the 39th hit against the wall, the entire wall formed a spider web 
form of, of cracks. And the entire wall was cracked and started to actually crumble. And at that moment, very interestingly, this worker put down his huge sledgehammer and picked up a tiny hammer and a chisel and then systematically brought down the wall. So let me ask you an important question. What if that guy stopped swinging the sledgehammer and stopped hitting that wall at hit number 36? It wouldn't have come down. It would have been weakened, but it would not have come down. It would have still been standing there and anybody walking by wouldn't even know that it was weakened. But they would look at it and say, wow, there's a solid brick wall. But what happened? He persevered. It didn't matter what he saw in front of him. He knew that if I swing this sledgehammer and with all my might hit the wall is enough times, eventually it will bring it down. And I can imagine being that worker after swinging that many uh, swings at the wall. I can't imagine the relief he started to feel when he, when he finally saw that crack it was like, boom, he knew he was close. And then he just kept at it and kept at it until the entire wall came down. And folks, that is what it's like when we persist in prayer. We cannot give up when we get to hit number 36. We might just be one more prayer away from seeing a tiny crack form in that thing that looks so ominous in front of us. Now, I got to say this, if you're hearing the lie that it's time to give up, you've prayed enough, and it's just not happening. I got to say that that is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never encourages us to give up. In fact, it's the opposite. He encourages us to persevere. And today, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us through his word in Luke chapter 11, saying, saints at Hillcrest Church, persevere. Don't give up. Keep on praying for your neighbors. Keep on praying for your family members that haven't come to Christ yet. Keep on praying for your co-workers and for your city, and we will see God break through. Now, we need to understand that oftentimes, sometimes when we pray, there are delays, and we've all experienced that, I'm sure. But many times, those delays are due to a spiritual battle taking place in the spiritual realm. And that's why it's important that we don't give up. And a wonderful biblical example of this we see in Daniel chapter 10, where Daniel is praying and asking for an answer so that he can deliver a message. And it says uh, further on in the, in the story there in Daniel chapter 10, that the answer finally arrives. The angel comes, the messenger angel brings him the answer. And he tells Daniel this, Daniel, from the moment that you prayed, from the moment that you asked, your request was heard. God hears us. He hears every request that we make. And we see that in this passage. The, the, the messenger angel comes and says, Daniel, your request was heard, but the answer was delayed. I got delayed in bringing you the answer because I had to get into this fight with the prince of Persia. And then we had to bring in the big guns and the archangel Michael to come and really clean house. And then I was able to come and bring you the answer. But isn't that awesome? From the moment Daniel prayed the first prayer, the answer was, the, the prayer was heard and the answer was sent. But there is a spiritual battle going on. And so guys, that is why it's so important that we persevere, that we don't give up. Last quick point here about the spiritual battle. In Ephesians chapter 6, 
One of the pieces we know of the spiritual armor that's listed there in Ephesians 6 is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so that's what we need to do. We need to look at the challenges that we face and the things that like that brick wall seem impossible to bring down. And even though we've been praying and praying, we're not seeing any kind of breakthrough take place. We need to take God's word and we need to declare and pray out loud the word of God. The Bible says with God, all things are possible. Boom, that's like a sledgehammer going against the wall. And you declare it and declare it. And we stand and declare and pray God's truth. So pray the Lord's prayer, pray God's truth and persevere and go for it. Don't give up, persevere. This is what God wants to you to hear today. Now, what happens when we pray prayers and we don't see the answers to it? Maybe we've prayed for a long time or maybe we start asking the questions, well, what happens if I, I pray and nothing actually happens? Well, I'd like to ask Jessica to come now and share uh, for a few moments about this topic that I think we can all relate to. Oftentimes we may hesitate to pray for something or offer to pray for someone because we may fear or think, well, what if I pray for this or them and nothing happens? And this is a very real fear and question. And I've learned that if we don't pray, then we almost guarantee that nothing is going to happen as prayer allows God to break through and be God. And he's really good at being God and doing the impossible. We are only the conduit and vessel. God does the work, but it takes a two-part epoxy. He wants to partner with us to bring about his will and kingdom to the earth. And when we realize that is humbling and mind-blowing. One very important lesson I had to learn early on in my prayer journey was to fear God and not man, which sounds easier said than done. I had to learn to trust and surrender to his sovereignty as on this side of eternity, there is so much we cannot and will not fully see manifest and come to pass. And don't get me wrong, I love and prefer the instant miracles and breakthroughs because those are awesome. But what about when we pray and we see nothing change? Are we shaken? Do we still persevere and trust God? I wanna share a quick story that illustrates a major way I learned to only fear God and not man, and it was not easy. Years ago, when I was first learning about prayer and listening and obeying, I had a neighbor who was so hardened and super rough around the edges. I'd adopted her in prayer, and one day as I was befriending her, she began sharing some felt needs that her sister was in desperate need of a miracle. So as she's describing the dire situation her sister was in, I kept hearing Holy Spirit just nudge me saying, offer to pray for her right now. So I stepped out in faith and I asked if I could pray for her sister's miracle. And she shrugged her shoulders and rolled her eyes and said, whatever, it can't hurt. So as I'm praying, I can feel her glaring at me with her unbelieving eyes burning into me. So I just kept praying with my eyes shut really, really tight, praying for her sister's miracle in the name of Jesus. And I say amen and she rolls her eyes and walks away. So I immediately just start second guessing and doubting, did I really hear from God or not? And this was like for two full years, it was awkward with this neighbor. I mean, she avoided eye contact with me, and she ignored me, and she gave me the royal cold shoulder. And this was someone I had to drive by and walk past 
daily. So this was not easy. So I had to grapple with my fear of man over my fear of God. Did I care more about what she thought of me or what God had asked me to do? I know I heard God ask me to offer to pray for her sister's situation. So I had to come to a place of peace and surrender that no matter the outcome, obedience was success. Obeying God is success. And this took me two years to fully surrender and be okay with not seeing an outcome, but knowing that I did my part with this neighbor. So after two years, I was finally at peace and surrendered to God's sovereignty and finally at peace of not fearing man and only fearing God. And guess what happened? One week later, I literally run into my neighbor and out of the blue, she says, hey, I never told you this, but it was about 25 hours, you know, 24 hours after you prayed, my sister got her miracle. <laughs> and, uh, but I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to believe, but whatever you prayed, you know, but whatever you prayed or whoever you prayed for, it worked. So it was like, okay, well, praise the Lord. And I actually wanted to tell her, well, thank you for not telling me because it took these two full years for me to fully die to my fair man and be okay with only caring what God thought and what God was asking, you know, what God had asked me to do that day. And I learned a powerful lesson that our part is to listen, obey, and pray. The other part is all up to God. He gets the glory and he will be glorified. So in closing, I just want to say what an absolute honor and joy it is to partner with God and to realize we can invite the majestic into the mundane and we can see him show up and show off because that's the kind of God we serve. We can trust him and trust his timing and sovereignty. Amen. Yes, God is sovereign. And this leads us to the last part of the message and the last part of this text. We actually haven't read yet, but we're going to read it now and, and show how all of everything that we've talked about right now, it's all in the context of relationship and all in the understanding that God is good. He is a good father. So let's read now Luke chapter 11, verses 11 through 13. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he's asked for an egg, he'll not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is awesome, you guys. God is good. He knows what you need and he knows what you're asking for. We need to persevere and persist. We need to engage in that spiritual battle and understand that part of our persevering and praying is, is not giving up and, and knowing that even the answer may be on its way, but it might be getting held up in this battle. And so we need to persevere. And a wonderful acronym uh, that we love to use as well is PUSH. P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens. It's like the guy bringing down that brick wall. Swing that sledgehammer until you get that wall down. Let's do the same thing, folks, in prayer. Pray until something happens. But all of that takes place in this context of understanding God is a loving Father. And He is 
He never changes. This is who he is. It's not only what he does. It's not only the gifts that he gives. It's literally his nature to be a good father. And we know from the Bible as well that God never changes, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Hillcrest Church, as you go forth into the prayer journey this week, it's our prayer for you that you will grow deeper in living out and exercising this pattern of prayer, like Jesus taught the disciples, that you will implement this principle of persistence in prayer, and that you'll ask and seek and knock and not give up, and that you will understand God's heart for you and receive his love for your friends, your families, your neighbors, and your city. Don't give up, Hillcrest. Persevere. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. And keep on knocking. As we bring this to a close, I want to ask you a question. Is there any area of your life where you have become hopeless? And a great way to identify an area of hopelessness is when you may either verbally say or think in your mind, this situation will never change. I don't think that's what God says, but sometimes we have given up hope. We've tried and we've tried and we just, we have not seen the change take place like we're hoping for and like we're expecting and like we're wanting to see happen. And what happens is that when we continue to, to move forward in that, what happens is we end up living in a, in a double-minded way, like James talks about, where we have the truth of God's word on one side and we say, yes, that's right, I believe it. I believe what you said from God's word, Pastor Steve. That was a great message and yes, I'm so encouraged. And then we go home and we face reality. And then the reality is different than what we just read in the truth of God's word. And so what happens is a stronghold gets formed in our mind and we end up living in these two rooms. We live in the room of here's God's truth. Yes, 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 I believe it. However, I have this experience and there was uh, failure and there was disappointment and there was hurt and there was pain. And that doesn't seem to add up with these things. And so what happens is we become double-minded. This divider wall in our minds is formed. But there's good news. That wall can come down. It's literally like that brick wall in the story that we shared. And what we can do, and we want to encourage you to do as a practical application of this message, is find this week scriptural sledgehammers. And any area of hopelessness that you're dealing with, you find promises from God's word. And we encourage you to pray the promise and not the problem. Pick up God's word this week and swing it like a sledgehammer and engage and, and declare it out loud and pray the word of God as you go into this journey this week. Declare it out loud and bring down that wall, bring down that lofty thing that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians. You pull it down, you destroy it. You don't try to remodel it or paint over it. You bring it down. You blow that thing up. How do you do that? With the word of God, declaring it out loud, praying it out loud. So maybe you've become hopeless in your marriage. Maybe some husbands, you've just felt like you've tried everything and nothing is working to see a turnaround take place. Pick up the word of God and declare it and say, the word of God says, he who finds a good, he who finds a wife, finds a good thing. 
boom, swing that thing, swing at that wall and, and bring that wall down. Maybe you've become hopeless about your children. Declare the word of God from Psalm 127. Children are an inheritance from God. Children are mighty warriors. Boom, swing that sledgehammer against all hopelessness. And as you do that, day after day, day after day, and we encourage you to do it, make it simple for yourself. Do it four times a day. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, bedtime. Pick up those scriptural sledgehammers, swing against that wall of hopelessness and hit it. And then persevere, persevere, persevere. Don't give up, persevere. Go for it, guys. And we believe that we're gonna see incredible things take place uh, that uh, will... We believe that incredible things are going to happen in your life as you implement and you go for it. So folks, we are excited about this week and we want to bring this time to a close by praying a prayer of impartation and praying that the Lord will take the truth of his word that we've talked about, that we've read, and that he will impart it to your heart and that you will receive now by the Holy Spirit, from the Holy Spirit, an impartation that will change you, that will impact you. And then we will commission you to go forth into the rest of this week as you engage in this prayer journey together as a congregation. So let's wrap this up now with a, a word of prayer. I want to invite you right now there in the congregation to just close your eyes. And if you would actually put your hands out in front of you to receive, because the Holy Spirit wants to give you something right now. He wants to release an impartation that you will receive by faith for the Lord to change you and to change your heart and to change your mind and to move you forward into a new level of, of praying powerful prayers and being powerful in prayer. So let's go to the Lord now and ask him for uh, his heart and ask him for this impartation, okay? Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Lord, that you laid out for the disciples. And today we say, Lord, we are your disciples. Teach us to pray. We want to pray through that same pattern of prayer, acknowledging our relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus that you will impart to each one of us Lord, I pray that you'll impart a fresh passion for prayer, Lord God. And Lord, that you will impart to us that persevering heart and persevering spirit, Lord, to not give up. And Lord, even as we go and as we confront the areas where we maybe have become hopeless, Lord, I pray for breakthroughs this week. Lord, I pray that the walls will come down in Jesus' name, that strongholds will be broken, and that you will release hope, Father God, to your people in the name of Jesus. So we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the word of God. And we thank you, Lord, that we go forth in your name now to be a blessing, Lord, to one another here in the congregation and in the community. And we say, Lord, as you taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, let your kingdom come. Oh, Lord, let your kingdom come in our lives, in our families, in our workplaces, and in Moose Jaw today. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Now, right where you are, take those hands that were out and by faith lay them on your heart and say, Lord, I receive it. I receive it in Jesus' name. Now you've received by faith. 
Now go forth in faith and uh, dig into the power of prayer as you go forth on this prayer journey this week. God bless you. We love you. And we are going to be praying for you and for Moose Jaw this week. God bless you. Stand and sing together.